podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alvstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seattle Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, and I'm here with co-host, Mr. Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Uh, well, it's morning, so I'm as good as can be, but... <laughs> Stuff has not gone wrong yet today because it just hasn't had time to. Exactly. Um, I mean, <laughs> also, though, it's morning, so that means it's not as good as it could be because I'm not and a that's, morning person. That's true. And I'm okay because I kind of am. I Apparently. I'm finding out on this show that I'm a morning person. I get up, I'm talking. I've only had like six, seven, eight sips of coffee yet. Not a full glass or mug or anything I'm already kind of just hyped up ready to go because I love talking about Seahawks football I like getting on the show and talking to you because you kind of know what you're talking about um, and sometimes I don't and so it helps to listen to somebody that that knows a little bit more about subjects that than I do and I I get that I I dig that that's part of uh, the, the fun aspect of the show for me I don't really know why you enjoy talking to me uh, other than the fact that you get to be <laughs> you get to be the expert and come on and 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 uh, and feel good about uh, about that yeah give yourself more credit bill it's, it's, <laughs> it's just fun to get out you know we get to talk Seahawk football for an hour hour and a half uh, and like how can that not be fun? I that's, mean, that's it just great. is yeah. what it is. And hopefully other people enjoy the ride too. So so uh, this week, we are talking about best and worst case scenarios for the 2020 Seattle Seahawks NFL season. Uh, what can go right? How right can it go? And how far can we get on the best case scenario? And how deep can the despair be on the very worst case scenario and maybe a couple of things in between. And uh, we're going to talk about that, spend most of the time on the show going into those details. Um, and then uh, up front, just got a, a couple of news notes. I wanted to start off with the Greg Olson signs with Fox Sports. When I first read that, I just read the headline and I, I thought, What? Did, did he leave the team and just decide this whole thing was not going to work and he's immediately going to, you know, get back into the uh, broadcast booth? No, he signed that contract for after he gets done with football, whether it's this year or next year, uh, he's going to be an NFL analyst. Good for Greg. You know, I think he's well suited for that um, that job. He's got a tremendous amount of knowledge, very well-spoken guy. Um, he'll obviously do well in that. Yeah, I I found it interesting though that he um uh would sign that now. Uh I did is that too. is that because Fox wanted to lock him up and he was worried that uh ESPN or someone was going to swoop in and and do the same thing? Um or is it that he has this suspicion that looking at the the tight end room um that once Disley and Colby Parkinson are both 
uh, cleared to play and healthy, that he might be the odd man out because of his age and, you know, just they know he's a one-year uh, deal and then gone and, and the team might move on early. I, I don't know, but I just yeah. found the timing of it to be very interesting. Yeah, I think all of those things could be true in certain uh, percentages. Um, I think it's likely he signed just a future deal to know that you know that's what he's going to do, and he he signed a deal with the organization he felt best suited to fit him, and uh, doing that now uh, just made made sense in his world. Uh, there's a small percentage that, you know, that last scenario you painted probably crept into his mind. It's entirely possible. Um, and, uh, and yeah, for me, I think it's, it's more of a, uh, he's choosing the organization, um, and the organization is choosing him, uh, cause he would certainly, I think, uh, bring something to the table for Monday night football or, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday night football. Um, you know, those, those two, um, broadcasts have, have struggled a bit, obviously, especially Monday night football. And, um, you know, I think somebody like Greg would, would be good for that, uh, particular broadcast. So any hoodaloo, um, Quentin Dunbar, dude, I like this. This case just gets deeper and a more complicated, and it, you know, Weirder. at first glance, when you read the headline, you read the, the the stuff. It's like there's no way that Quentin Dunbar could be a Seahawk anymore. The team has to move on. They've got to come out and make a statement. Blah 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 blah. But the more you really kind of look into it, and the deeper that that I looked into it, especially the article that came out from the the news organization recently that said that. Um, allegedly, both Baker and Dunbar are, and and their their key witness in their favor, Johnson, who's the coach that they've known for a long time together, was caught on tape and had some DMs on Instagram and so forth, soliciting a bribe from the witnesses to 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 make sure that they didn't talk or change their story in their favor and so forth, uh, including uh, the implication of Dunbar's attorney, uh, Michael Greco, um, in the scheme, right. So there's all of that, and that was when that first came out. Man, heads were rolling. The media uh, was was basically saying this is a done deal. Everyone's kind of convinced. But when you, re- for me, when you really read the article, it didn't really completely implicate Dunbar in this scheme. His name really didn't come up except for a late phone call after the whole thing was done from Johnson to Dunbar, um, and and we don't know what that discussion involved. Um, Dunbar's attorney has since left the the case, resigned from the case. Uh, Dunbar's uh, had previously signed an attorney uh, earlier last week uh, to join the case and then uh, has another person representing as well at this point. So um, the the other tidbit in that, uh, a later article that came out from Michael Greco uh, in his resignation letter was basically uh, had stated, you know, I want to I remove myself for the, from the case so Dunbar can continue to advocate for his innocence and Dunbar allegedly took and passed a polygraph test confirming he did not participate or witness, uh, the robbery. And, and so for me, uh, things are very messy, obviously very complicated, uh, but don't completely yet, um, implicate or convict, Quentin Dunbar from any wrongdoing at this point. And so for me, it's kind of a wait and see thing. Um, 
I thought it was it, it pointed to a little worse scenario for Baker and his uh, and, and Dunbar's attorney. Um, so I don't know what to make of this entire thing yet. Uh, I don't know that the team probably does either. Quentin Dunbar's obviously come out and professed his innocence, and this thing may end up having to go to trial in order for it to, to completely wash out, and that could take a while. So I yeah, think Dunbar is still on the team, Keith, but there's no weird. guarantees because the, the team could elect to, to move on just based on the fact that it's such a big distraction. Yeah, I mean, they could. Um, we do know that he was given uh, permission by the, the judge presiding over the case to travel to Seattle. That was prior to this news. True. Um, and be a part of the, the team workouts and everything. And even if this does continue to proceed towards trial, it's the trial's not going to be for a while. Uh, the So it's going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, are they going to is the judge going to prevent him from working uh, while they wait for trial and trial could be months from now, or is he going to be allowed to, you know, continue? I think it really, it really uh, is going to be determined by the state's evidence. I mean, the, the, uh, the new attorneys in Dunbar's um, on Dunbar's team have requested that the state turn over all the evidence that they have, you know, in in a reasonable amount of time, which, uh, which is a normal process. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, and if the, the prosecuting attorneys have not yet filed charges. And so uh, until that happens, mm-hmm. I don't think the league could really do anything when that happens. I think maybe they could. Yeah. Um, so it, it comes down to, right. it comes down to if, if no charges are, are filed, uh, by the time the season starts, we're looking at, he's going to play. Um, and then any suspension and anything else that that'll happen would be a year from now. And he's on the last year of his contract. So he could play this year and then go into free agency with this hanging over him and that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll kind of get a feel for, for where that goes, but I, I still expect him to play. And I know that there are people out there, um, uh, prominent, you know, uh, media people that are that are calling the Seahawks to just cut ties and move on. There's like, you know, it's there's just too much crazy here, and and but I'm not one of them. I I, I see think he's going to play. I think there's a there's a lot of gray area and everything that's going on as far as the case. And I do too. And I'm not willing to just be like, no, just cut him. Um, and maybe that's wrong on my part, but. I don't know. I just, I am willing to, you know, kind of let this ride out and see well, something's, exactly what something's comes not, from not quite right. You know, and it, it, there is a little bit more evidence, uh, against, um, Baker, the other, uh, player in this situation. Yep. Uh, it seems to me now if the, all we have are just reports in the media, um, and stories and then denials, um, by attorneys and by players and so forth. That's all we have. So mm-hmm. we're we're literally just guessing. But based on everything that's been said and so forth, um, I don't know. I mean, and the other issue too is that uh, Graco's attorney came out early uh, and has been saying this the entire time that it's the witnesses that have been trying to extort the players for money, and that this whole scheme is basically reversed now. 
Um, I, I don't even know how that makes any sense. Oh, it um, totally makes sense. It's, well, it, the, I don't the, know how it turn- makes sense given the fact that the evidence, the, the new evidence that has come out is reverse of that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, we have, okay, the evidence as being described by, uh, you know, reporters at the... At Correct. A, at a place that is not the highest journalistic integrity. Correct. Absolutely. Um, you know, we haven't seen the evidence. We have their description of it, and that's all. And uh, it would make sense for in, in a situation like this, where it becomes a cash grab, where uh, come up with allegations, file this stuff, and then be like, "You wanted this to go away? Pay us." Yeah. Well, on two, one of the key things that hasn't been disputed yet is that the players waited up to an hour and a half after the alleged robbery to call police. Um, so, you know, and these things get squirrely. I mean, you're right. When they when they know who the players were, how much money they're worth, et cetera, there could be some motive there. You just mm-hmm. don't know. And so... We'll, we'll let it play out. I mean, to me, that's what I think the Seahawks should do. There's no real public relations damage control aspect of this at this point. Um, yeah. Unless unless Dunbar was just fragrantly out there making a you know an ass of himself on this whole situation. He's hiding low. He hasn't really come out and made any public statements. Um, you know, to me, in the in the new reporting his name really doesn't come up in that reporting as far as being part of the scheme. Mm -hmm. um, Other than the fact he received a phone call after this whole episode finished from Johnson, who's the coach guy, his friend. And we don't know exactly what was said there. So that's to me, there's no further evidence that is bad for Dunbar other than the evidence we already knew in the case. Yeah. And so uh, I'm looking at, at all of that and I'm just like, you know what? Let's we need to let this ride out a little further and see where this goes. We are only a couple of weeks from uh training camp opening I know, and I know. Which is exciting. We have been talking about not football things for a very long time and I'm ready to well, talk. Well, what do you think of Pete Carroll things. coming out this last week and saying that he he thinks that training camp should be postponed if that's what it uh means to to keep everybody safe? I don't think he's wrong. I I mean, I mean I'm on record here on this show saying if it was up to me, I would say you delay everything and you start training camp in um, October or November and you play starting in January or you push it back a little further and you start training camp in February and you open as and play spring football. Um, now, I don't want to get too political in this whole situation, but I just don't see things changing from a national leadership aspect of COVID-19 in order for training camp to happen in October or November. Now, maybe I don't see anything happening until, well, who knows when, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it's early next year um, before there could be policy changes in place in order for things to actually move in a solid direction with any coherent um, longevity. Um, where things are more stable, um, yeah, the, where you could see things being able to have a chance to be open. Uh, agreed. Um, and so, like, I want to. I'm trying really hard to avoid the, the politics of all of this, but I Me think what's, what it's going to come down to is the 
the league's going to have to make this decision on their own. They're not going to get any guidance from anywhere else. And if they decide, hey, look, we've just got a lot of um, a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, and there's 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 been cases people are re- people are tested when they report to camp, and we have all these players that are testing positive as they arrive, um, and they go, you know what? We're going to wait this out, and by pushing it back, you go, okay, um, we're being told that a vaccine is close and may be here uh, by the end of the year or early in, you know, uh, next year, let's go ahead and and plan on that. Let's wait and let's do training camp, um, you know, right before the end of the year or just after the end of the year and and play spring football and uh, do it that way with the hope that that vaccine will come. Well, and and there's still uncertainty right now. Um, where the league's at because there are two teams and I can't remember, I think it's the Jags and somebody else, maybe it's Arizona Cardinals where the rookies uh, are able to come into camp on this coming Saturday. Um, and uh, in order for them to come in there, apparently there's a testing protocol where every player needs to be tested ahead of time. Um, and then they can come in, but there's no test results. Um, that could be available by the time the actual players are supposed to arrive (laughs) and the league hasn't come out and said anything. It seems really vague at this point. So, well, especially it it has postponement written all over it. (laughs) I know. Oh, it's Arizona. I mean, those are the, yeah, we uh, had 4,200 cases reported yesterday and mm -hmm. 92 deaths here in Arizona. I mean, this is the hotbed. I hate to say it. I, I mean, embarrassed wait are you saying the, the fact that it's the desert is a hotbed is that is, is, is that the joke you're making Sorry. here bill because that yeah i'm i'm trying not uh... to joke i really am not trying to joke <laughs> no i know um, just... it's it's just not good so mm-hmm. i i just i'm we're so hopeful on this show keith and we have been for like f- almost four years we're just we're just that sort of show Yep. Um, and that sort of people and um, we're trying to hold out and give people hope and a distraction um, and and trying to keep this thing alive and going for as long as we can when when it's when it's not we'll figure it out but until then we're just going to keep going so mm-hmm. with that said let's move into the show um, best best and worst case scenarios so loosely speaking Uh, We're going to outline a couple of best case scenarios, one better than the other, and we're going to outline two worst case scenarios, one one the very worst case scenario. Um, And we'll just go through it. We'll have a conversation, um, and hopefully it turns out well because I have very few notes, and we're just going to kind of talk this thing through. So I'll I'll do the first one. Best case scenario, uh, number one. Uh, Wilson stays healthy. This, all these things can revolve around Russell Wilson, probably a little bit of COVID-19 thrown in there as well. But Russell Wilson is the key factor in most of these scenarios, at least for me, Keith, uh, Wilson stays healthy, 
has an MVP level the whole year, uh, and the whole team does well. And what I mean by that is the offensive line is solid from week one. The uh, wide receivers, uh, Josh Gordon signs. Uh, the, the the wide receiver room becomes really healthy. The tight end room, every everyone stays healthy and is available um, throughout the year. The running backs, Carlos Hyde fits in perfectly. Um, the defensive line, we end up having a pass rush. Taylor and Robinson, the rookies, uh, you know, just break out and they look good and solid. They look like solid players. Uh, Blair Amati, Diggs, Dunbar, that whole thing fits and works out. Um, this could be a Super Bowl team. You get a fast start, the team stays healthy, the young players have impact, and you have a kind of a strong finish. And the team finishes, say, 13-3-ish and three-ish and has home field advantage, and we get to the, to the big game. To me, that is a possibility with this team. If you really take a look at the schedule and the players and if everything kind of comes together, which you could say that about any Super Bowl team. So this is not kind of way out there. I'm not just, you know, this is not just a pipe dream. This is actually a possibility for this team. This could happen. Things come together. You could have this scenario happen. I'd give it, you know, a 25% chance, maybe slightly less, but there's definitely a chance that this scenario could play out. There's a lot of ifs here. And, and and that's always my concern when you, is it possible? Absolutely. Because you've got the makings of a team. You know this. Name me a team where there's not a lot of ifs. Kansas City. Is that the end of the list? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a actually, short list, right? Actually, it's a and, short and, list and they're in the AFC. And San, um, San Francisco, maybe. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll give so you that. You, you've got, you've got a couple, but it's, it, it is a short list. Um, but there's a difference between having ifs and having a lot of ifs. And that's a lot of ifs because you're asking, um, how likely are, true. how likely is each of those items to happen? And then now you need all of them to happen. Uh, and I would like say you, said, you need, uh, at least, 85 to 90% of the list I just listed out to happen in order to have a Super Bowl winning franchise. Yeah. I agree. I think that needs to happen every single year for mm-hmm. it, for the Super Bowl winner. That all those things need to come together most yeah. most of the time. Um and so you look at <clears throat> you look at all of that and you go okay, there's is it possible? Absolutely, cuz every single one of those things is possible. We're not like just making stuff up, but the fact that we need most of them or all of them to happen um, in order for that to get through. You're like, okay, well that tells me that probability states you're going to, you're not going to get all of them. You're going to get a, um, a few of them, which means this team's going to be well, good. Me, They're going to be contending. They might fall just short. Let me ask you this. If you could go through all the different line items that I listed out and tell me in your mind, what would need to happen for, for those things to work out. So if you look at the offensive line, for example, or Josh Gordon signing or the tight end, stay healthy or the hide fit, the defensive line pass rush, if you can kind of break those down a little bit and tell me why they wouldn't go right. Why, why wouldn't they happen? Because right now all signs point to the fact that most of those things not only are possible, but maybe probable. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, bet on the pass rush and the and the defensive line uh, simply because you're you're asking two 
two rookies to make major contributions, as well as two sec or a second year player and a third year player to both make large steps forward. And so now you're asking four different players all to kind of come in and reach a certain potential. And history tells us that each um, you're never going to, you just don't get that. Like the, the CX, we, for years, we talked about Nas Jones, like this is the year he's finally going to step through and, and do stuff. And he never did. Um, and, you know, things like that. Like we just, there was, there was always this expectation and there's someone that doesn't reach it. And I think that by the time you, you look at, at that, that that's where, where it becomes to get tricky. The same is true for the offensive line. Like we know um, Dwayne Brown is great when healthy, but he's got to stay healthy. Um, and this team's not that they're not deep at tackle. So if he doesn't stay healthy and as a, an older player with considerable injury uh, struggles the last few years, that, that to me is going to be a struggle. And then you've got a rookie on the line. You've got a guy who's going to be a full-time starter at center for the first time. Uh, there's just, those two things are where things get really tricky for me. Um, Josh Gordon signing, I think is highly probable. And if he doesn't, I'm not sure it's completely, uh, to me, that's not, not something that has to happen for this team to contend. It just really helps. Uh, the tight ends I think is a little more shaky just because we don't know where Disley's at and whether he's going to be full time and, and healthy and all of that. And we um, just and we, talked about Olson, you know, having a backup plan. Yeah. And Parkinson broke his foot and won't be ready until around week one. Um, and so, you know, you've got some of that stuff going on there, but I think overall, uh, overall, I think that the, there is a lot of pro- a highly probable stuff, but it's the two lines that I think really push this and make it, difficult to see happening. Um, I would say it's, you said 25%. I was going to say 10 to 15. Yeah. You're probably Um, more, more in the ballpark, but that's 10 to 15% that this stuff goes right. And this is a dominant Super Bowl winner. Um, you can be a contender. You can be a Super Bowl team without being a dominant Super Bowl winner. (laughs) Now in any given year, when you really take a look at the probabilities and you look at say, um, Las Vegas, Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not too many teams that have a Super Bowl winning probability line of greater than 10%. Um, even the, the Kansas City team is probably at 15 to 20%, right? Yeah, I think it's difficult to um, put those percentages in from the way Vegas does their odds because uh, they're playing they're playing this game where they leave everybody low on purpose uh, because then it's like, Hey, look, the Raiders have a 6% chance. That's worth, um, sure. Worth, worth a long shot bet on. Um, and, and so they, that's how they make their money is, is well, let, let's, zone. let's break this down. Even let's break this down just slightly more and then we'll move on to the next one. Um, if you had to think long and hard about a top eight teams, uh, with the ability to reach the Super Bowl, you've got four in the AFC, four in the NFC. I think Seattle's right there in the in a top four NFC team, and they've got to win one playoff game, and they would be top four, um, right? And mm-hmm. so your um, that's to me that's how you look at it. And then you've got 
essentially 25% odds or, or greater from that point on. Um, and that's kind of the way I'm, I'm approaching this is like, can we get to the playoffs with a best case scenario? Absolutely. Can, can we, can we mm-hmm. win a game? Absolutely. Can Absolutely. we get to the NFC championship game with the best case scenario being yep. fulfilled? Yes. Look at where and, they were. I just said, look at how close they got last year without a, a working offensive or, or defensive line. Um, and recognize that there were improvements kind of everywhere. Um, and so you look at that and if, like I said, Wilson stays healthy, these, the line, the lines come together, which I think is the biggest piece of all of that. This is a better team than last year. And they were really close. They were a few inches away from having a, a first round buy and winning the division. And, um, well that, yeah. okay. So that's a perfect jump into the next, the next scenario. It's like, it's, 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 it's the best case scenario, but it's a slightly step down. Why don't you kind of go over that? Well, so, okay. So here is Wilson stays healthy and plays like he did last year at a near MVP level. I mean, he was an M, he was the kind of hands-on MVP at the halfway mark. And then he had, you know, some down games and Lamar Jackson just freaking exploded um, down the stretch and, and ran away with it. But um, we know Wilson can play at that level because he did for eight games last year. Um if he plays at that level, does it matter what the rest of the team does? Does it matter if the offensive line is great because he played at that level last year and the offensive line was terrible? Uh, does it matter so if, if, if everything being equal, like all the other positions on the team are slightly better than they were last year, and Wilson does has the same year? Is their floor still eleven wins? Doesn't it have to be in this scenario? In this scenario, if Wilson plays at that high of a level, even if the other things don't happen, even if the pass rush isn't improved, even if the offensive line isn't improved, um, show me where this team, like how this team loses games when you've got your quarterback playing at that high of a level. Because he pulled out wins last year that this team didn't, well, they didn't deserve elsewhere. I mean, the rest of the team didn't play at a level um, good enough to win, but Wilson did. And he's that good that he can take a team that's not particularly great and run them up and turn them into a playoff team. And I think we saw that a year ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, certain things have to go wrong in order for your team not to get to its fullest potential. I think that happened last year. You take a look at a single player like Will Disley going down. Now, you don't think Will Disley is really important because he just hasn't played that many games over the last couple of years. But he's on a trajectory to really start to affect games. The touchdown production alone in the red zone for Disley is a is, is amazing. And so you take a guy like that out, that's a, that's cost you a win. Um, to me, um, you take a look at situations where you struggled a little bit with injury, like uh, Justin Britt at center, you have Joey hunt in there that probably end up costing you a game because Joey hunt got beat so badly a, a few times, um, and got to the quarterback killed, killed some drives. You just never know how those things turn out. Um, you know, if, if, if the team is going to be average this year and Wilson's amazing again, so you might have Penny and Disley, maybe Parkinson on the, starting on the pup list. Uh, maybe you have Carson has fumble issues again. You're, you're setting the ball down on the turf. You're giving the other team an opportunity. Um, that's, 
that's those are drive killers. Those are game killers. Um, the pass rush continues to struggle, maybe in the first half of the year. Maybe in the second half of the year, it comes on. The team gets healthy, finishes strong, gets back to 11-5. and five. It, the, the whole thing looks a lot like 2019 in this scenario. So do we, do we go back and do we question the, the front office as to why they didn't further address the defensive line and all those sorts of things? I mean, at 11-5, and five, you're probably not going to the Super Bowl. You could if you finish strong and get, get healthy at the end, but your team still has some some w- glaring weaknesses in spots. Um, 11 and 5 is nothing to be shameful about, um, but the te- you know based on the fact that your expectation level this year with a Super Bowl window open with Russell Wilson as your quarterback, you want to be able to get to the Super Bowl. This is a slight step back from that. Are we still as a fan base, would, is this still an acceptable outcome? Yeah, at some point they do need to look at the fact that, you know, this is Russell Wilson's prime. This is when the window is the widest open, and they need to be doing what they can as a franchise to be getting championships, to be getting rings during this opportunity. Because once, Wilson, start, once Wilson starts to decline, um and is no longer the you know the thing that's that's keeping this team winning uh you know the the window really closes and we don't know when it will reopen because it was open for what <laughs> it was open for a couple of years yes, during the, yes. the Mike Holmgren right. era um and they never got there and well then, i mean as long as you have a quarter let's say this as long as you have a quarterback that's as as in the best Hasselback years um, and he's a Hasselback in his best two or three years was a top 10 quarterback. Um, he wasn't a top five quarterback, but he was a top 10 quarterback. And that showed you, you could get to the game, you know, with that level of quarterback play. If, if Russell, well, I can't even imagine Russell Wilson at that level, um, for, you know, another seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the window is open is, you know, for the next, uh, half decade at least, and you're right. The team needs to do everything in its power in order to get there. That's why it's perplexing a little bit, the defensive line situation this year. I think everything else combined is definitely a Super Bowl winning team. And if that defensive line can somehow come together, we got a really good shot. But I would have thought that they would have tried just a little bit harder to get one more key cog into that situation. But we'll yeah. see that the offseason isn't over yet. I would have liked to see. I mean, they still need a defensive tackle. I mean, even right now, I you know, agree. They need a defensive tackle, but right. I would have. I would have loved to see them. You know, get an um, an often a big time offensive lineman, someone that they could plug in at right tackle and know that you've got a great player there, and not you know uh, <clears throat> a serviceable player, which is what they did, and or something like that, or to go get Clowney and bring him back. Based on the entirety of the offseason so far, which is most of it, um, how likely is it that we're just an 11-5 and team again and 2019 essentially repeats? I think that this is probably the most likely scenario Um, because I I do believe that this is Russell Wilson's prime. He is not going to... Barring injury, he is not going to be uh, 
taking a major step back. He's not going to be the reason why this team starts to lose games. Um, he's going to will this team to some wins that they wouldn't otherwise get. Uh, and I agree with that. Totally. And, and he, he alone is, what is the floor win wise for the team? Just based on Russell Wilson, probably nine. I know. Cause go back to, um, couple of years ago when we did the rebuild. Yeah. I mean that I thought we were going to be seven wins. I mean, I came out in the prediction show and said seven wins because I just couldn't see how we could do any better than that. And Russell Wilson proved me wrong for sure. Yeah. I mean, so you, and that was the first year of, of the rebuild when, you know, they, they, they jettisoned a bunch of talent like Richard Sherman, 2017 going to be a hall, going to be a, you know, he's a a hall of famer and they lost, um, you know, Cam and, and they, you know, cut Michael or traded Michael Bennett. And, um, you know, they, they just lost all this talent. We thought, wow, this team's taking this huge step back. They're going to be seven or eight wins. Um, and they went, you know, 10 and six and made the playoffs. Right. And we were like, whoa. Um, I think the year before when they went nine and seven, uh, right, you know, before they jettisoned all that stuff, when there was all the internal strife going on and, and just all these other problems within the team, I think that is was probably the floor of a Russell Wilson team. Yeah, because you can essentially surround him with, you know, average talent, which we had at that time, and we still eked out nine, 10 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that's the floor. So that being said, I mean, we bumped up that talent level this year. We infused the team with, with quite a bit more in, in a couple of key areas, defensive back, um, uh, linebacker uh the offensive line you could argue is is just a little better uh not not discernibly better but just a little better um and then the re- you know receivers are stepping up Medcalf is in his second year etc plus the tight end group um then you've got carlos hyde coming in which is i think really a, sol- a solid underrated signing to me plus if 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 quentin dunbar plays um the and you have um, Quandary Diggs for the full year, right? Uh, at the secondary, I mean that that those two things right there could be a massive um, upgrade in the secondary, I and mean, that really helps uh, defensively. Yeah, so so. so to me, that's why this this team is floor is eleven and five. I mean, just based on those things alone, logic would tell you that it's it's no worse than two thousand nineteen. Yeah, with a with a lot of potential, a lot of upside to get to get further. And I think that's the thing is like, you know, we all want to get a little further. And, um, I think the defensive line is slightly underrated. Um, and we'll prove that out over the course of the year. Now it may not happen until the second half where every, everything kind of just comes together, but that remains to be seen. All right, Keith. So you were said that, that, you know, that's kind of the floor, but that's not really the floor. There is, that's true. There is the, there is the floor. (laughs) that we don't want to think about. We don't want to talk about. Nobody wants to admit we all just kind of black, you know, like zone it out and be like, that doesn't exist. It's not possible. So Um, is this, so, so let me ask you this is we're going to talk about Russell Wilson. This is being set up because we're going to talk about Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, How many, how many seasons has Russell Wilson played? Uh, This is his ninth season or ninth season this year. So eight straight seasons. We haven't even had to have this conversation. And, nope. and I'll be damned if we're having this conversation, Keith, and it scares the crap out of me. So I'm going to knock on wood right now. 
everything that we're talking about is complete fiction and will not happen. I guarantee it. But we're going to talk um, about it just because it's fun. And it's, you know, people well, go to nothing, horror movies, too. Not because it's going to happen, because they want to be entertained. That's true. I was like, yeah. there's nothing fun about watching a Seahawks team uh, go into the season expecting Russell Wilson to be quarterback and then to see him get hurt. Um, but you're right. People do go to horror movies. Sometimes we like to be scared. So uh, let's go ahead and, and, and discuss what this looks like. Because we can take the two different scenarios that we just had which are one, when the defense and offensive line and everything really comes together, um, but they don't have Russell Wilson because he gets hurt. Or what's the real floor, which is those things don't happen and Russell Wilson gets hurt. Uh, Because those two things are very unlikely. I mean, we're talking about a quarterback in Wilson that's only missed a few snaps. Yeah. In eight game or eight right. years. Right. Well, for me, the, the, the first worst case scenario, which is not the worst, worst, it's the second worst case scenario is the team starts fine. COVID-19 doesn't play a factor yet. At, at this point, the season starts. Um, maybe they've got a, a promising start. Everything seems like it's coming together, but Wilson gets injured and is out for the season midway through the year. That would be a worst case scenario. The wheels, you know, are, are solid. The car's moving down the road. All of a sudden the wheels come off. What happens? Uh, I think that, you know, the team ends up having a weak finish after a promising start. Other players that are injured, uh, the team elects to shut those guys down. Young players play and we start to lose games. Now there's a hidden upside there is the young players are playing. They get experience, but the team goes say eight and eight or, or less. Um, mm-hmm. With Geno Smith, and if you take a look at Geno Smith's career averages, since we're going to begin to talk about backup quarterbacks now for the first time ever, um, you know Geno Smith comes in with career average of having eight and eight record in 2013, a four and twelve record in 2014, uh, or the the two primary years that he started as quarterback. He had uh, 523 uh, completions out of 906 attempts for 6,000 yards, a 6.8 average, which is considerably below Russell Wilson's, 29 TDs, 36 interceptions, a 72.7 quarterback rating. He also added 20 fumbles in two years um, mm-hmm. to that scenario. Uh, 57.7% uh, completion percentage, which is about 10 points below Russell Wilson. So you're you're talking about a quarterback, even in his best Ability, which and Geno Smith's a fine person and a good solid backup for the team, given the fact that Russell Wilson has no injury history. But you know, shit can happen. Um, Geno comes in, and I think the best we can hope for with Geno Smith is 500 ball, um, See, and I, maybe less with this uh, he, team. <clears throat> so here, uh, what I want to what I want to look at that, and I want I want to ask. We can look at those stats, and those stats are really unimpressive. Um, but he was also playing for a Jets team that was terrible. Absolutely. I mean, this te- that Jets team was awful. And not only were they awful, but he he wasn't even the guy that um, the Jets really wanted. Um, he was thought of as a first-round quarterback. The Jets passed on him, uh, but then he dropped and dropped and dropped. And in the second round, they basically felt compelled to take – him because he was thought of as, as you know the best quarterback there and he dropped to them and basically uh, 
Isaac and company were saying, if we don't take a quarterback here and we go into the year without one, um, even with, you know, having him <clears throat> drop all the way that he did, um, we'll get fired. We're, we're done. And so they, um, you know, that was kind of, they took him, they didn't build around him. They didn't build the team for him. And he played on a really bad team. Uh, and I look at, you know, his rookie year, uh, you know, yeah, he, they went eight and eight, but he had five game winning drives in the fourth quarter. Um, and that was, was kind of impressive. I mean, yeah, he took 43 sacks. That hurts. Um, his completion percentage was 55.8. That's not good enough. Um, 12 TDs and 11, uh, or sorry, 12 TDs and 21 interception. Uh, that, isn't good enough. Um, but that's also playing on a really bad team and he's not going to be playing on a really bad team in Seattle. He's going to be playing on at worst an okay team in Seattle. Uh, and I, so I think we can, we can see better than, than those. Um, you know, and you look at, at his career progression, you know, his completion percentage, um, got better went for 55.8 to 59.7 which is right at 60 kind of the minimum uh for a starting quarterback in the NFL uh in 2015 it was um 64.3 now granted that's a smaller sample cuz he only started one game that year um but it it shows improvement it shows progression and uh, he hasn't played much uh in the the 3 years since then um or four years since then, because last year um, also he didn't even, even though he was on the team, he didn't have any stats because he never played. Um, but that kind of progression gets in the, uh, he's been here, he's been in the, with the offense. He's got um, Schottenheimer, who's one of the better quarterback coaches in the league. He's probably uh, a heck of a lot more confident now um, as a player in yeah. this system. Yeah. And and so I could see I, I don't think that um he is a guy that you just expect to be bad because he's a backup. But I also I think, don't expect him to come in and cause a con, uh, quarterback controversy in 2021 if he comes No. In. No, not at all. Right. Um this isn't a a full scenario like they had in in uh, Philly. Uh this is a guy that he'll come in, he'll you know, be serviceable. Hold down the, he'll hold down the fort. Yeah. And if, if it's a, you know, Wilson's going to be out for, for two or three weeks because of a, a, an ankle that, that he just can't play through. Um, he'll hold down the fort. Wilson will come back and lead the team, you know, into the playoffs. Um, if this is a Wilson's out for the year and Smith is going to play, you know, now you've got an okay player on an okay team. And they're, if, if, we talked about scenarios. If the defense comes together, like we talked about, the offensive line plays well. Um, we know the other the the skill positions are 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 set. Um, they could get to nine wins, I think. With uh, I think with if you be realistic though, and if you take a look, say the first half of the year we we went uh, six and two. Uh, in the second half of the year, they would face the Rams, the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Giants, the Jets, the Redskins. For now, Redskins. 
the Rams and the 49ers, I could see them winning three win, having three wins in the second half of the, of the season and go yeah. nine wins nine, and, nine and, and seven. Yeah, maybe make the playoffs, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, if you get, if you have Russell Wilson for half the year and then uh, <laughs> have to drop Geno in there, like, I still think this is a playoff team. Um, it's going to be tight. They're going to be the sixth seed, but they're close. Um, but that's in that scenario where, the you know the defense and, and offensive line and, and those things come together. This is the best case scenario that we talked about earlier, minus Russell Wilson. And then it's a matter of how much how much Wilson did you get? Um, if you got him for half a year, yeah, I, I think into that situation, this is a playoff team. Um, they're probably one and done. I can't see them going in and winning um, right. a road playoff game with with Geno, but they're still a playoff team. Um, if Wilson goes down before the year starts and but those other things happen right so the the defense is is significantly improved the offensive line significantly improved all of that um i mean gino led a bad jets team to an eight and eight record i i i have a hard time seeing that he can't lead a good seahawk team to something better so you're saying if even if Russell Wilson misses the year, if everything else goes right, this could still be a eight to ten win team. I, I would say eight to nine would be. I have a hard time seeing Geno as a, as a, a ten win quarterback given the Rams and, and well, I don't think the Rams, but uh, the Forty ers maybe Arizona if if they take the step that everyone expects. Um, uh, being on their schedule. I mean, the, there's some tough teams. Uh, I, don't, I don't think this isn't a, this isn't a really easy or a really hard schedule, but there's enough tough teams on there that I could see uh, them losing some, and I could see them losing a, a game or two that they shouldn't because they don't have their, their star quarterback in there and, and settling into that kind of nine, uh, nine wins I- slot. To me, if I, everything else goes right. Yeah, to me, I think that once one big, huge thing, Russell Wilson, goes wrong, a lot of different things could probably go wrong as well. Just from a team psychology standpoint alone, it would be really difficult to overcome that um, since it's never happened before and how important Russell Wilson is to this team. Um, now, the coach obviously could lead them through uh, adversity and so forth, and um, I have every reason to believe that the team wouldn't give up on it on itself. Um, but other things could happen. Other choices could be made in order, f- um, you know, for this thing to really go bad. Um, let's just say Wilson gets, this is our worst, worst case scenario. At least it is for me. Worst, worst case scenario. Wilson gets hurt before the season starts. He's out for the year. Okay. Um, say Penny, Disley, Parkinson, and, and a Bobby Wagner start the season on the pup. Wagner pulls a hamstring. He's had those before. They shut him down out of precaution. Um, let's say uh, COVID-19 comes into play just a little bit. Uh, the team has seven players over a course of two or three weeks test positive and have to go into quarantine. Um, they, they bring in practice squad guys because there's no picking off other players from other teams at this point. It's just too late. There's too much uncertainty about COVID. You've got to... You know, one of the NFL rules is you've got to stick within your own organization in order to to bring players in. Um, let's say they have a slow start, uh, which is entirely possible with the schedule. Well, with all of and with all of those things happening right there, they you don't even need to say they're ha- 
they have a slow start. They will have a st- slow start. Well, let's just Guaranteed. say they drop their first five games before the bye week. So they're they're literally 0-5 heading into the bye week. Um, you know, they drop Atlanta, New England, um, now with Cam Chancellor, uh, Dallas, Miami's not going to be improved. Cam Newton, sorry. Um, Miami's going to be improved team. You got the Minnesota Vikings. You could easily drop those games, even with it not being so dire um, without Russell Wilson. And then after the bye, you've got Arizona, which is coming on the 49ers, Buffalo, which is underrated. The Rams are still not a bad team. The Cardinals, I think you could beat the, uh, you've got the Phillies, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, sorry. Uh, Then the Giants, Jets and Redskins back to back to back. You could, you could theoretically win those games. And then the Rams 49ers. What I'm saying is this could be a three win team. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, and if oh, that yeah. is the case, um, y- you're you're almost in a situation where you're kind of like the 49ers were a year before last. Everything's going wrong. Your quarterback got hurt for the year. Um, he's out. Uh, the wheels come off. They're you know they're picking in the top three in the draft. Um, and the very next year you've got Russell Wilson back and your, your whole team's kind of back and you're, you're still a Super Bowl contender, but you've got a really nice high draft pick in every round, um, yeah. which the hasn't had for a long time. So the worst case scenario, a, a, a top three overall pick defensive lineman, um, yes. whether it be a defensive dominant defensive tackle or right. a clowning, clowning like defensive end who's 22 and right. or, a, or a um, premier left tackle, you know? To replace yeah. Dwayne Brown, so so the worst worst case scenario could actually have a silver lining, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So even I, if it's really bad, it could end up turning around and being and and you know there could be a big huge asterisk on this season anyway. 2020, um, the worst case worst worst case scenario is the 2020 league year is canceled um, because of COVID 19 <sighs> and so forth. So you know. Maybe you do have an asterisk on this thing and that you shut the whole yeah. thing down, Wilson, <clears throat> out, and you go for the draft pick. I don't know. I hate doing that as a fan and as an organization, but, you know, maybe it makes sense the, this year. Well, the thing is that they won't. Um, if if Wilson goes down, they will do what they can to win. They're not – this isn't a team um, – Pete Carroll is not going to lay down for anybody. Pete Carroll, no matter what the situation, is not going to tank. It's not going to happen. Um, look at what happened in his first year in 2010, where they literally cut everyone who had a cutable yeah, contract. Yeah, 235 roster transactions. Yeah, and I mean, like TJ Hushmanzada, who the year before they'd signed that massive contract to, they actually t- went, they had more ca- of a cap hit to cut him than the cap savings was created. So basically it cost them more in cap room to not have him play uh, because of all the guaranteed money that was to the left. But they did that to get out from underneath the, you know, of what they considered a bad contract. And they went seven and nine. Yeah. They won the division at seven and nine and then went into, um, you know, the, a playoff game and we had the beast mode, you know, so that's the beast mode game. With the or Super the, Bowl the, the, contending the, the, team. Was Super Bowl defending champion? Yes, um, and won a playoff game and really pushed their draft order way down. I mean, if there was ever a year for them to tank, yes. it was that year. I mean, you had 
you knew you weren't going to be that competitive. And for most of the games in that, that year, they weren't competitive. They just got crushed in a bunch of games. Um, and you know, he remade the image of that team into his own. That was the most, that was, he should have won coach of the year that year. That was the, the, that was the most amazing turnaround of a franchise I've ever seen from a seven win team to a seven win team that the, essentially the same team, right? Well, yeah. no, they were, they were a four win, four win team, team. you Jim, know, Jim, Jim Mora, Jim Mora and they, right. And then they went to a seven win team. Um, and you're thinking like, okay, that's a three win improvement. That's pretty, pretty good, but not like, right. You know, not like, but it set the but, stage for everything else. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, he didn't win coach of the year that year because it was seven wins. And I, I think if it had been nine, he would have, um, just because they, they tend to lean on, Oh, you have to have a winning record and that kind of stuff. Um, the year that he, I can't believe he didn't win it was, uh, 2012. That's, that's the year where, um, you know, he started the rookie quarterback who struggled in his first few games and they went with Brandon Browner who, God, he got crushed in his first few games and they just weathered the storm and waited it out. And, uh, and yeah. all those things started that to come together. That was a very together. good way to put that. And once those things started to come together and the team really meshed, then they went. Yeah, after the Chicago they, game at Chicago, that thing started to come together. Yeah, and then they, um, you know, they they hung that that fifty burger on Buffalo, and then another one on Arizona, and it was like, oh man, those last and, those three that three game stretch right there was unreal. Yeah, and, and you're like, whoa, okay, this team is legit. And this is coming from a team that had won seven wins the year before. Um, and I, I, that was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen. Just straight up. It's one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen. Yeah, if it hadn't um, been for that slow start in Atlanta in the playoffs, and they'd gone and won that game, mm-hmm. um, which they almost did. They almost came back and won that well, yeah, they, they they did. They had the lead with 36 seconds left, and then the defense gave it yes, up. Right. Um, but they were they were so close to winning that playoff game. Um, and who knows what happens after that, right? And it, it really comes to me, it comes down to if Chris Clemens hadn't uh, blown out his knee on that uh, sand in Washington that they painted green, um, this is a team that would have uh, – they, they they would have won that game. I mean, that was they the were same game that ruined game. Robert Griffin, the third's career as well. Yep. All right. So bring it back into, into this year, the worst case Wait, scenario. So what were we talking about again? <laughs> exactly. the, show, the, the, the show wasn't about 2012. Wait. Um, uh, yeah. If, 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 hold on, let me if, check the, my notes if COVID here. cancels the entire season, <laughs> we'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about team history. Yeah. Um, so, so getting back to this year, so the wheels come off, uh, worst case scenario, the team obviously is not trying to tank, but you know, it, it just happens uh, organically that the team is just not good. Um, and and you know what? What is your worst worst case scenario? I kind of painted mine. Can My you, worst worst case scenario. Can you see them getting to three wins, or do you think it's yeah. their see their floor? Even the worst possible case floor is like six or seven. Here. So my as far as wins, I think three because you're talking about um, the defense completely falling apart. The, the defensive line just never does anything, and you don't have Wilson, and you the offensive line's bad, so you can't get the running game going. You can't even give 
Geno Smith a spare second, and so he's throwing interceptions like crazy. Yeah, I could see this being a three-win team. Uh, to me, that's not the worst-case scenario, though. The worst-case scenario here is that this is a team that um, has all these things go wrong, but they win a couple games early. They win a couple games in the middle. They finished the year at six wins, but they saw themselves, oh, we're hanging close to 500. Maybe we can string stuff together. And they continue to, to fight, and they don't play Marquis Blair at safety. They leave McDougald in. And they don't play um, you know, Damian Lewis at right guard. They roll with um, some veteran. And uh, they they try and hold on, hoping that they can put a uh, string some wins together down the stretch and sneak into the playoffs. And they don't set themselves up for the future, with, even though they have a six-win team, because they didn't get a higher draft pick. Uh, they got, you know, maybe uh, top, top 10. 15, right. Top 10, um, you know, somewhere in there, like, you know, 10 to 11, 12. But they didn't go and get, you know, a, a number three pick. Um but they also didn't prep a bunch of their young players. They didn't get them in there, get right. them experienced, and get them developed. Um, you know, they they roll with uh, Bobby, KJ, and Irvin at linebacker, and don't get Barton and Brooks uh, a tremendous amount of playing time. Like that is the worst case scenario because that is not only was the team bad and uh, just not you know not worth anything, but they didn't get anything out of being bad. If they recognize they're going to be bad when Wilson goes down and then they lose their first three or four uh, with Smith and they, they go, okay, you know what? Let's at get what point the- do you play Anthony Gordon? Um, does he ever become a factor in this scenario? Yeah, he's got to because he's going to be your backup at that point. And if, if they're not winning with Gino, um, Go see what you've got in Gordon. He's he probably is not going to you know he may not garner miss you you and 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 win you some games, but he at least will get some playing time. You'll get to see what you have. You can see um, how he reacts within the offense, what he can do, and get an idea if you can have a cheap option at backup quarterback next year and not pay. Gino, and, and maybe Gino's you gonna- could get enough on tape where you could create a uh, Anthony Gordon hype video. And, and yeah. get a draft pick out of him at some point. Yeah, um, I think to do that, he'd have to win a few games. And look, I agree, but it's solid. not that's not completely but, out of the question. I mean, look at the receiver, look at the tools that a guy mm-hmm. like Anthony Gordon would have. Now, you know, this worst case scenario doesn't necessarily mean everything falls apart. You've still got a nice wide receiver group. You've got a nice tight end room. You've got a couple of legit running backs. The offensive line looks to be solid. Um, I don't know that the offense would necessarily kill you um, uh, if if a guy like Anthony Gordon was quarterback. Now that mistakes would be made, interceptions mistakes, would be the, done, would be happen. But and that's the problem is is the defense isn't good enough for the offense to have a bunch of turnovers. Um, I, and, that that right there. And when you start playing Gino and Gordon at quarterback, uh, you're looking at a team that's going to have too many turnovers to overcome all of that. Um, 
I think they're going to put up, they'd put up some stats and, you know, the defense is going to give up points and the offense, especially if the offense turns the ball over, that's going to make it really hard. And they're going to be throwing to come back into games. And so you might actually get some really exciting games where the team, you know, loses 23 to 28 um, type of thing uh, where they're throwing the ball all over the field down the stretch because they have to, because they're, they're way behind. Um, it could be it could be a fun a fun losing year in terms of of watching them you know do some of that stuff. But how I would a season how would a season without Russell Wilson dictate the future at the quarterback position for the Seattle Seahawks? I think what it would do is it would show them uh, it would show them a little bit that you can't just you can't put everything on Wilson, right? Because that's what they, that's, that's essentially what they've done uh, the last few years is by, by just scrapping an offensive line and not trying um, for, I mean, they, they'll say they tried, but you know, you, they, they also hired Tom Cable. Um, but by, you know, just scrapping the offensive line and asking him to be the offense and run around and, and um, buy time, that most quarterbacks would get killed under the pressure that he's been under. Uh, But that's not going to work because you're dependent entirely on Wilson for any kind of success. And they're going to be forced to go, okay, we have to have more in place so that way we can survive without him. Um, And so I, what if the play that Wilson got hurt on was directly caused by a, a, a bad offensive line call or whatever, and a certain offensive lineman got beat, and it led to Wilson being hurt. Um, would it also affect the the way that the offensive line is put together in the future? No, this is what I'm saying. I think that it would that they're they're going to be forced in a situation where Wilson gets hurt, and they see just how bad it is without him. They're going to be like, okay, we've got to not have that happen. And they, they finally start giving, getting him the protection that, where does that, where does that come from as far as, um, deleting some of the talent at other position areas on the team? Like there's only so much cap to go around. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you actually address the offensive line, maybe a backup quarterback situation, um, without having it detrimentally affect other areas of the team? You can't. It's a zero-sum game. If you add somewhere, you got to subtract elsewhere, unless you just draft really, really well, and so you've got all the, you know that that talent there. But what I see is, um, you would see Dwayne Brown and his money being used on a younger player that's going to be healthier. You're going to see KJ Wright gone and his job turned over to Cody Barton. You might see Bobby Wagner gone and his job turned over to uh, Jordan Brooks. Um, you know, yeah. you, you're you're going to see the team go young. Bradley McDougald would be gone. Blair would yeah, be in, Blair would be, Blair would be the guy. So they they would go young on. Uh, they would turn into defense. 2011 Seattle Seahawks again. Basically, they would play young players. Yeah, um, or twenty yeah twenty two thousand eleven two thousand twelve. The young guys would have to play so that way they could pay good players on the offensive line to protect Wilson. Um, and, you know, you, you, you improve in one area and you, you lose in another. I think that you would also be forced to make. Um, I think this is going to happen down the road anyway. 
just because <laughs> Wilson, even if he remains healthy, um, will continue to, to lose a step and they'll need to up that protection ante. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. anyway. he, he will age. And, and at that, so th- there has to be a point where, um, this team transitions into more of an offensive team around Wilson. Um, this idea that they're trying to remain a defense oriented team and n- let the, let Wilson be the offense because you know, he's good enough to do it uh, works to an extent, as long as the defense is good, which we saw last year, it wasn't. So they weren't, they weren't um, a, a true contender. And, you know, as long as Wilson can continue to do that for you, but but a, a less athletic Wilson as he ages means he's not going to be able to. He's going to be a pure pocket passer at some point. He, well, I wouldn't know if he's ever going to be a pure po- pocket passer, but he's going to be more of a pocket passer. So let me ask uh, you this: What kind of external pressure or or internal pressure will come upon the current administration, i.e. Um, Pete Carroll and company um, to be gone and a new regime come in. How, what kind of a worst case scenario would, would p- put that amount of pressure on, on a team to make that big of a change? I don't know. Um, I know people call for it all the time because they don't, True. Like, they don't like Wilson or they don't, yeah, they don't like them, them wasting Wilson's years with a defensive team and all of that. But quote unquote, uh, it's, they're not wasting it. Don't no, buy into that. But I'm not, not um, you, but other people. No, but I, I, like I said, people have been calling for that for a couple of years now and I just, I don't see it. Um, you know, you, you win 11 games and you, and, uh, and Wilson's in an MVP year. I mean, give me a break. Wilson can't be in an MVP conversation if you're not utilizing him in an effective way. Yeah. Those two things can't be true. Um, and so I, I, I just, I look at this and I'd say if there was a three win team next year because of our worst case scenario, and then they come around the following year and they're like a five or a six win team, I could see it changing. Uh, at that point, but it, you know, if they have a three year, a, a three win year next year, and it's just this miserable experience for Pete Carroll, he's the oldest coach in the league, and he's I the know. oldest coach in the league by a few years. You never know how that affects somebody. Uh, I could, you know, maybe he retires. Maybe he goes. You know what? I'm going to step down as head coach and just do the, you know, team president, um, you know, overseeing stuff. We're going to bring in. You know, some new, a new, younger staff, um, a new vision, blah blah blah. They, um, Dan Quinn gets let go from in Atlanta, and they go, okay, let's bring him back as a um, defensive coordinator, and they go get a young offensive uh, guru to be the head coach. And um, I think he's already on the team. I honestly do. I, I don't. Everyone's going to hate this, but I think Brian Schottenheimer is going to is being set up to be the, the eventual head coach of the Seattle Oh Seahawks. God, you're, you're now you're just, you're going to make me sick. I, I'm sorry. I just I think- do. It's just the, it, you know, it's the nature of the way this thing goes because he's there. He's got Russell Wilson's trust and confidence. Um, if you, especially if you bring in a guy like Quinn to be D coordinator um, and not head coach, um, it, 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 for team stability and and continuity, you you would 
seriously be having uh, Brian Schottenheimer on the short list. And it wouldn't shock me if he would be the, the coach. See, I, yes, I mean, I could see that. Um, I would hope that there would be a, a mandate that he's got to go get someone interesting to be his offensive coordinator because his offense is not interesting. There's just literally nothing. Oh, sure. It's not interesting, but is it effective? (laughs) You know, is it effective with the right talent? Um, It's a top 10 offense. It might not be exciting, but it's a top 10 offense. It could be top five. That what offense would not be a top 10 offense with Russell Wilson? Well, I mean, it could definitely look completely different. So you could have an offense that looks a lot like Kansas City's in Seattle, mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson would be a stat monster. Um, but would they win any more games? But that's what I'm saying is you're you're basing it on oh, it's a top ten offense. What's the floor? Give me a scheme with Russell Wilson as the quarterback where it's not a top ten offense. Well, and the the key factor there is too is they're asking Russell Wilson to be to play hero ball in almost every game because it's designed to be close. The scores are designed to be close. We're within a, a, a three points or seven points at the most of winning every football game. That's the design, mm-hmm. and so uh, until it gets away from that, we'll never know um, the the true potential upside of a more dynamic offense, you know, but you're right. The floor is probably top 10. The floor might be what we see out of Brian Schottenheimer's offense. And we will never know. And we will never know. But I I have a hard time believing that you bring in a Kansas city style offense and, um, or even what the, the Texans run with their outside zone scheme and, and mm-hmm. the way they do things. That, and Wilson's going to have, he'll have monster stats. And they'll go from being a top 10 offense to being a top four, top three offense. Um, how does that make them worse? I don't see how it does. Are those, uh, are those young quarterback offenses? And could they work with Russell Wilson now at this point in his career? Yes. Yeah, they can. So you're willing to put Russell Wilson out on an island more so than he has been in order to give the uh, read zone run option type uh, look and and put him out there for rushing 500 yards a season at this point in his career. Here's the thing is I'm not talking about a Lamar Jackson offense. I'm talking about... Yeah, but Patrick Mahomes rushes for 400, 500 yards as well and, you know... Um, so does Watson. Yeah, but a lot of that it's not it's not designed runs, it's scrambling. And Wilson does the same thing. Um and what you're when you're saying it's, talking about That's ab- true. When you're talking about um when you're talking about putting your quarterback on an island, they're putting Russell Wilson on an island in the pocket because the offensive line's so bad. Um and I just don't see, like, I, I, I don't see, get him, give him an opportunity to meet, to be more dynamic in, in terms of um, what he's doing, give him more options, but really put the ball in his hands and let him do the stuff he needs to do. Um, and I think that you're going to end up. And Pete Carroll, with, I think, would argue that they're doing that. Oh, but they're not. Uh, they really aren't. <laughs> 
they're, they're asking him to turn around and hand the ball off. Wait, does running the ball and being a top four or five rushing team bother you? No, not at all. But are they a top four or five rushing team? Um, statistically, stats would say yes. I don't think they are. Um, rushing attempts, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns. They're, they're in there in all those categories. Well, see, that's the thing is you, you're going to go with attempts. It's when you run. I, I understand the dynamics, differences, and so forth. But what I'm saying is... Does it make Russell Wilson worse to be in this offense? He's already an MVP candidate. He gets plenty of attempts. His downfield throws, he, he, you know, the way that they set that up, the running plus the, the you know, over-the-top throws and so forth, is a pretty effective way to, to have an offense if it works, if the talent is there. I'm saying it might not be dynamic and completely, you know, Amazing stat-wise, but it gets the job done. Again, I think you're still seeing the floor of what this offense could be. Um, You're saying, yeah, it gets the job done. Imagine playing games in which instead of scraping out a win down, you know, right at the end of the game, asking Wilson to play hero ball, you actually attempted to score points in the first half and you win by, you win by 11. And we have these conversations every week during the, during the year. I know I get it, dude. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm just posing these questions because I think it's, it's important to have this conversation, uh, even though it's getting sideways a little bit on our, on our topic, but nonetheless, wait, we had a topic. I don't, I don't even remember. But, uh, I don't know. We're just, yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> We've lost everybody. It's just you and I sitting in the room now. There's nobody here with us. All um, right. So so we went through it. We got yeah. the best case and the worst case. So percentage best wise, case is there, the, the best case is they are a true Super Bowl like team. Um, they're the one of case, eight teams that could get to the get to the Super Bowl and win it. I'm just, that's that's just a fact right now on the ground. Yeah, and it, like I said, and, and in a best case scenario where the defense really comes together with all of the the, the new pass rushers and and linebackers and you know uh, just at all three levels, um, this is a you're like one of eight teams that could get there. I'm like, yeah, they may be one of four teams that could get there and win it if all those things come together. If all and those the, things come it, together. Yep. And, and the offensive line uh, gels yep. and is, is, is good. Uh, so that's the best case. The worst case scenario is, you know, no Wilson and the wheels fall off and this is a three win team. So what's the percentage on that? So that you think, had 10% on the first best case, best case. What's the worst case, worst case percentage? Oh, probably like two or three percent. It just requires so many things to go wrong. Yeah, um, I would say it's it's less than five percent for sure because in, including the Russell Wilson injury pre yes. before the year, right? So yeah, and it it requires so many things to go wrong, and it's it's not like I think that you're. I would say with in the best case scenario, you're asking for things, uh, things to go right that on paper have potential to go right. You know what I mean? Individually, like, all those things have the potential, more more potential to be right than wrong. Yep. The worst case scenario is you look, you take the team and you look at what are the strengths of the team, like the quarterback play, and you just remove them from the roster. Um, 
and you brought up, you know, what if Bobby Wagner gets hurt? And, and you just, you take the strength of the team, that all pro player, and you just remove them from the roster. Um, and you turn what, what is, should be a strength going in into a massive weakness. Um, and there's no reason to expect that to happen other than injury. But even if that happens so the, with Bobby Wagner, you've got Jordan Brooks and uh, Cody Barton sitting there ready to— Well, that's to, the upside. I mean, you could have some some young guys get some serious experience and mm-hmm. come into a, a, the year the next year with a healthy Russell Wilson and kill it in the draft, and uh, and you could end up being even better. So, yeah. uh, you know, out of all this, what I got is that it's likely that we're about the same that we were in 2019— you know, when it's all said and done now with a slight uptick potential. So mm-hmm. you could have possibly a couple more wins, get to 13, win the division, home field advantage. You're giving yourself the best chance you can to get into the Super Bowl. That's really, I mean, the, the difference between 11 and 13 is pretty substantial when you really think about it. You go from a wild card team to a home field advantage team in the playoffs. That's huge. And so... It just takes a few things to work to to get to that point. They, you know, if this team is, I don't want to say significantly better, but slightly better, they beat San Francisco in that that last game. They are they were only a foot away from from beating them anyway. And you yeah. win that one. Well, San Francisco more game. came into that game nine and zero, so they were nine and zero when they faced the Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks only had two losses in that game. So we came in seven and two. So there really isn't that much difference between those two teams. Although San Francisco throughout the year was just considered the best of the best of the best, but, um, Seattle wasn't even in that conversation, you know? So the the differences are just minor. I think we just get there a little bit, even though on paper, I think San Francisco has a more talented team. We may be deeper and overall because of that better and well and we have the significantly better quarterback and that yes. means no that's that a means, huge factor that means more in the nfl than than a lot of than anything and um ultimately i mean that's what it comes down to i mean you have the seahawks have russell wilson the 49ers have jimmy garoppolo and that's not to say that garoppolo is bad but he isn't at this point in his career a dynamic guy who will go win you games that's just not who he is. And he's more of a Kirk uh, Cousins level kind of player. Yeah. He's he, going to get you it, wins. He's going to carry your, t- he's not going to carry your team to glory, but he's going to hold down the fort and make sure you don't lose games because of pl- that play. Yeah. He won't, he's not going to lose you a bunch of games, um, but he, they're not, you're not going to win games entirely because he played a hero ball and um, willed out of a, a win the way Russell Wilson does on the regular. And that's yeah, uh, that's just they're they're different players. Now that doesn't mean Garoppolo won't develop into that as he continues to improve. I mean, look at what Matt Hasselbeck did. He was um, kind of more of a game manager type at first, and then you know in 2015, yeah. 2016, 2017, he had three years where he was um, the legit, very very good quarterback, and then his back injuries what, caught up what to years? him. And, I think it was uh, not a terrible two thousand five, six, and seven. There you go. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Um, there's a ten year, you know. Well, Mike Holmgren too was an excellent quarterback coach for Mount Hasselback. Mm-hmm. That was a good fit. So let's wrap this thing up. 
for those of you still with us, uh, make sure you definitely come back next week. We're going to have uh, special guest Dana O'Gorman join us for a look around the NFL. We're just going to have an open conversation about literally any topic, everything related to the team, related to the division, related to other uh, NFL stories that are out there. And we'll just uh, take a look around and get you ready for training camp week. As of now, training camp is still on schedule. We're still planning uh, on recording. Um, uh, the, I think it's July 28th would be the next time we record, which is Tuesday, uh, the training camp preview show. So make sure you join us for the next two. And then from there, uh, hopefully we'll be talking about all sorts of stuff we're seeing out on the practice field and uh, eventually um, out on the in the regular season. So anything else? Any final thoughts, Keith? Yeah, just when guys report, please don't report with uh, positive COVID tests. Everyone come in healthy. That's what I want because we, we are in a situation where the rookies are going to be arriving soon. Um, they're going to arrive. There's 48-hour quarantine and, and testing, and hopefully they um, – God, this is just crazy. Yeah, if they they come in um, without you know, to all, everybody testing negative and – and uh, re- get ready to go. We can. Isn't it crazy? You know, if you take a look at fifty teams over thirty-two cities, not fifty teams, thirty-two teams over thirty-two different cities, and they're all under. You know, most of the NFL is under the age of thirty-five, thirty-two. Um, you're asking a bunch of young guys to come in, plus coaches, personnel, uh, front offices, uh, to all get together and be COVID-free. Mm-hmm. Um, is is 30, un, unreal, dude. Thirty-two teams and probably two hundred and fifty people per team. Jeez, wow, thousands of people yeah. need to be COVID. Yeah, because it's ni- it's not it's ninety players per team, and then you think about all the coaches, training staff, um, the people who keep the you know the front office staff, the people who keep the the buildings and and those things. Um, referees that come in and help. Yeah. Um, and it's just the number of people that are involved is there's just a lot. You're like I said, about 250 people per team and that's a lot of people. And that's a logistical nightmare. It just is. It's a logistical nightmare in a regular year. (laughs) It just, you know, they have coordinators that coordinate all that stuff, you know, Anyway, um, let's hope for the best. Let's let's continue to be hopeful. Um, so until next week, follow Keith on Twitter, at MyersNFL. I'm at NWSeahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of your shows. And uh, go out and subscribe to the show. We've also got a YouTube channel now. You can uh, listen to the show on YouTube, although we don't have a live show on there at this point. Maybe we'll get to there at some point. But um, for now, that's another venue that you can um, you can listen to the show. So until next week, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. The show is at Hawks Playbook. And you can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.
Social Podcast Network.